0: Well, good morning, everybody. We're going to do something a little different this morning, and we're going to do this message in the dark. So, if you didn't get a lot of sleep last night, congratulations, <laughs> Chelsea. Chelsea's like, "What a horrible service to come to." <laughs> I'm going to pass out, um, but I want to do it in the dark, simply uh, for illustration purposes, because we are in our series looking at Jesus' "I Am" statements. Um, And today we want to look at John chapter 8, John chapter 8, um, verses we're going to look at verses 12 through 20, verses 12 through 19, where Jesus says he is the light. Okay. so throughout this passage today, I don't know if I can read this. Yeah, I'll be all right. Throughout this passage today, you're going to see Jesus proclaim being the light in a brighter and brighter way now. Um, let me set up the setting here real quick for us. Okay, um, they're in Jerusalem, and they have just finished up with the Jewish Festival of Tabernacles. Uh, each night during this festival, there was a um, a great celebration in the lighting of lamps, and that signified Israel's experience at the shining of the shining of God upon them for their deliverance and uh, and hope for a future salvation. Now. We're spoiled, okay, because at 3 a.m. we can wake up and we can go flip on a light. Um, Or, I don't know if you guys noticed, but we have two additions to our service today, fans, right? And so we're excited because hopefully we can keep this room cool uh, when it's uh, a hot day. This is an unusually cool day, which is nice. Um, but, uh, Tiffany, I know you're feeling a little under the weather, so if you want to flip that thing off, it's right behind you. But, um, but if it gets cold, y'all, y'all scream at Tiffany until to turn it off. But here's the thing. You can go up to a wall, you can flip it on, you can flip it off, light comes on, it's amazing, right? Your refrigerator has its own light. It wouldn't be, like, mind-blowing unless you didn't have light, right? It ha- when you get your 3 a.m. snack... And you open that door, it comes on on its own. My, my in-laws have a closet like that. I think that's amazing, honestly. But, hey, whatever. So here's the thing. What they had, what Jesus had, was day and night. Right? And they had dark night. Light and darkness was their world. Um, so during this festival, there were these four huge lamps. And these were torches. And I don't know if you can see them. But right here, the, in, the, in the front of the temple, there's a, just a big courtyard. And you see these four towers uh, that are standing up in, in the corners of the, that courtyard. These were the lamps that were lit. <clears throat> these were so big that they had to climb a ladder about 20, 30 feet. Uh, the wicks of these torches were uh, the priest's discarded clothes. And they dip it in wax or whatever it is that lights up. Right, and so and so, they're huge, enormous candles. Contemporary uh, historians that lived during this time, they witnessed this festival that they were celebrating. It was called the Jewish festival of Tabernacles, is when they lit these these uh, torches, and each night during this festival, there was a a, just this great celebration. And um, they would talk about how the the torches were so bright that it lit up every part of the temple. Now, these torches were not lit just so that they could stay up later and work or so that they could worship, I mean, uh, party, you know, a little longer. Um, They did stay up all night, though. They were they were to remind them of God as he led them out of Egypt. Now, if you know that story, God led the people of Israel out of Egypt and out of slavery. By during the day, he revealed himself as a pillar of cloud or a pillar of smoke. And at night, he was a pillar of fire. And so these torches were to remind them of God as he led them out of Egypt as a pillar of fire at night. Now, let me ask you something. Anybody ever been camping when there's a new moon? New moon's no moonlight, right? Isn't that what a new moon is? Anybody ever been camping when there's a new moon? How, how was that, Nick? Dark. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. How about a new moon with cloud cover? Anybody ever done that? Yeah? What was that like, Nick? Still dark. <laughs> Darker, right? And so here's the thing. It's not only dark, but I've done it with, with the kids. It's kind of creepy, Right? I mean, it's, it's, you're in the woods and it starts to get a little scary, and the kids are like, Daddy, it's kind of scary. There's no light, right? You know, and you're like, oh, It's okay. And in the back of your mind, you're like, Oh, man, I've seen those horror movies, you know? And so, <clears throat> let me ask you this anybody, when is your favorite time to go camping? In the fall, right? When it's cool, right? No bugs. Yeah, well, good luck with that, yeah. And then, if you had the perfect night, what would it be like? Moonlight, Moonlight. yeah, stars, right? Everybody wants to see stars at night. When we uh, went up to Colorado a couple of years back for my, my sister-in-law's wedding, she had a, um, uh, her wedding out, it was kind of in the mountains, and you could actually see the Milky Way, the pinks and the purples, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it was just amazing. And I just did, I didn't, I wanted to stay out all night long. It started getting cold. And I was just sitting there staring Lee's like, are you coming inside? I'm like, we don't see this in New Orleans. We see the one or two or three stars that we get. And that's it, you know. And, and so, by the way, um, we're having a men's camping trip October uh, 23rd through the 25th, if, uh, if anybody would like to come. Um, hopefully there will be stars out, and hopefully uh, the moon will be out as well. We're going to do it up at Nathan Warner's uh, place up uh, outside of Hammond in Independence. And uh, it's just a, a great time, so a little plug there. But let's jump into Scripture, and let's take a look at what's going on here, because we've got the background. Now look at how Jesus uses this. He says in verse 12, When Jesus spoke again to the people, He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So right off the bat, Jesus answers the who, the what, and the how. Who is the light? It's Jesus. How do you get the light? You walk in his footsteps. You follow Jesus. Now, here's the thing. If you're looking for something to do when you go to a new town or a new place, and maybe not so anymore, but especially in the past, you would go to where the light was. When we lived in Fort, uh, Fort Worth, Texas, you could walk outside and see downtown Fort Worth, really almost wherever you were at, because the light was so bright. And so you walk towards the light. In, in some cities, it's the downtown. Here, it's probably the quarter. Um, in their context, if you were at home and you heard the music from this festival which we're all used to festivals, right? You heard this music, you walk outside, where are you going to walk to? The light. You're going to walk to these huge torches. And here's the thing. Following Jesus takes us down the path that leads us away from darkness and to the light. Jesus says we will have the light. That's the what. Sometimes we kind of confuse that. And we say, we are light. Well, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm not really light. You know, I got sin, I got all kinds of... But I have the light within me. Now, if you have the light... What do I do with that? There it is. Then it's going to shine. Right? Bright. It's Worked out a whole lot better than I thought. Right? If you have the light, it's going to shine. The question is, how bright... Do you want it to shine? The more you follow your Father in heaven, the more your light will shine. Now, there's been some really, really heavy, disturbing stuff that has happened in our world recently. Um, it's almost not worth it watching the news anymore, right? People are being brutally killed, and what has to be mentally ill. Parents are doing horrible things, and it's just, it seems like the world's getting worse. And you always hear the excuse, well, the media is playing it off. This stuff would be reported on, and I don't remember this in history being things being this bad. I mean, aside from Hitler and genocide. But the more our world darkens, the more your light is going to shine. Verse 13. The Pharisees are with him and they challenge him. They say, here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Now, the Pharisees have this context that they're going off of, and we're going we're gonna to look at that here in a little bit. But you can see how the Pharisees are actually upset. They're the strict keepers of the law, right? They wouldn't know grace if it hit them in the face. I mean, they're, they're just they, it's their way or the highway or you get punished, right? It's the way it is. And so, Jesus says, I am the light, and they understand him equating himself to God as that pillar of fire. And Jesus is in the middle of the public square, the temple, and that's probably the only reason they don't kill him. And here's the thing. The Pharisees would be correct If Jesus were a normal person. Jesus isn't a normal person. He's God. Now, I played basketball up through high school. And um, anybody here uh, see me play? I mean, I was spectacular, right? I was, at the time, the best basketball player on the planet. Bar none. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody? Y'all know, right? Y'all saw the highlights, didn't you? No? Hmm. I don't know what happened there. Of course not. You're not going to say that because you never saw me play basketball. And if you did see me play basketball, you would disagree, right? I dunked one time in high school at my peak, and I still remember it hurt when I land. It, I mean, when I hit the it hurt. And I thought, I don't ever want to do that again. I tried so hard to get up and one more inch, one more inch, and I finally got it, and I landed, and I was like, I'm done. That hurt. Nobody's going to say I'm the greatest basketball player in the world. Because for other people to believe that, there would at least have to be somebody else to say it. And nobody will. Verse 14. <clears throat> Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. Let me ask you this. Where were you born? Just throw it out. Springfield, Missouri. Gretna. Rome, Georgia. Where else? Where, Pennsylvania? Langhorne, Pennsylvania. Okay. One more. Vietnam. Millie wins. Our big winner here. Kimmy. Where were you born? Nigeria. Which one's further? They're both on the other side of the world. Um, Yeah. So everybody can answer this question. Where were you born? Now, somebody answer this. Where will you die? You don't know, right? Nobody knows that. Now, here's the thing. Jesus can answer both of these questions to an even greater degree. He can answer from further back than birth, and he can answer further forward than death. The the answer is heaven, by the way. Notice notice what he says here. You have no idea where I come from or where I am going. He knows where he came from. He knows where he's going. It's it's heaven. It's in God's presence. That's what heaven is. It's being in God's presence. He came from heaven, and he is right now sitting on the throne in heaven heaven he is alive sitting there watching over us interjecting in our lives being a part of our lives living within us all of these things he's working but he's also sitting on his throne verse 15 you judge by human standards but i pass or i pass judgment to no one now this is a a great lesson to learn right Everybody still with me? The lights, the lights are dim. Everybody still, everybody still awake? This is a great lesson to learn because if Jesus didn't judge, then what gives us the right to, right? Now, we cannot confuse judging with lifting somebody up or admonishing somebody and saying, listen, listen, Christ doesn't want you to walk this way, okay? There is a huge difference. Judging is just breaking somebody down because you disagree with something. But if you actually love somebody and you love their relationship with Christ, then you need to encourage them and say, listen, 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 don't do that, don't do that. It's it's not going to be good. And he's just saying that everyone who has sin or everyone has sin So there needs to be someone without sin to judge those who do have sin. Does that make sense? Everyone has sin, and so for us to truly judge each other, we would would need to have somebody that doesn't have sin. Well, I don't know about y'all, but uh, I've got sin, and I bet you do too. So we can't judge each other. You wouldn't want an Orleans Parish judge... Right? Judging over you and ruling over a trial where they've been convicted of the same crime. Right, Nobody wants a murderer ruling or judging a murder conviction or a murder uh, trial. It taints the outcome. It becomes biased. Right, Skews objectivity. Jesus is the only one who could judge and he doesn't. Why? Verse 16. But if I do judge, my decisions are right, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. Jesus doesn't judge because he does what the Father says. And when Jesus was sent, the Father made it clear that Jesus' mission was to reveal salvation and to redeem those who place their trust in him. Judgment is within Jesus' wheelhouse. It is something he can do. And He will when He returns. And He does in our hearts, right? That's what conviction is, right? It's, ah, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Right? That's the Holy Spirit saying, whoa, slow down there, tiger. You need to apologize for that. Verse 17. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. Okay, well. Well. Here's where we see the context where the Pharisees and Jesus are basing this whole conversation. All right, In Deuteronomy, I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to put it up there, Matt. Uh, In Deuteronomy, it's 17, 6, and 7. It's also 19, 15 through 21 if you want to go back and read it. But basically, here's what happens. You cannot accuse somebody and be alone in that accusation and people take action. In other words, I can't say, you know what? Leave. You hurt me, and I want you punished. Well, there has to be two or three witnesses to that, punish, to, that, to that action for a punishment to occur. No one can be accused and convicted by just one person. But here's the thing. If several people witness whatever happened, those people also are the ones to inflict the punishment. And normally this was a capital punishment. It was death. Depended on what it was. But if three witnesses saw it, those three witnesses after the trial and all of that, they were the ones who were to inflict the punishment. It will make you think very, very, very well about what you saw and about whether it was a crime. However, if you saw it, and you lied about it and you and people found out about it then they would convict you and you would receive the punishment as well so god makes us truly own our words now this this is this doesn't occur anymore because jesus brought in grace and forgiveness and and so there's we have the law and you know the 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 state law and God says obey those okay that's all in place I could go into that and explain why we have that and why we don't have certain stuff and it it all makes sense I promise you but we don't have time today but Jesus makes us truly own our words and if you saw evil you are given the responsibility to convict that evil and if you lie about what you did or didn't see you will be convicted The Pharisees take this, and they spin it, and they make it apply to every single statement that is said. Not just the things that need to be convicted of, but everything, not just a sinful act or word. Verse 18, so they're trying to trap Jesus. He says, Jesus says, I am the one, I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. They say, you need at least two witnesses. Where's your other witness? And Jesus says, All right, well, you want two? I'm one. My father's the other. And Jesus proves once again that he is the light by showing mastery over this sinful human spirit. Come on, baby, work. Right? Huh? Huh? What you doing, Michael? I see you, buddy. Huh? He's the light. Now, verse 19. Pharisees get a little upset. Then they asked him, Well, where is your father? Remember, they believe that his father is Joseph. They don't understand what Jesus is saying. Joseph is dead by this time. What are you talking about? Joseph is dead, Jesus. He can't testify for you. And Jesus puts these power-hungry fools in their place. You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. Now, we as New Orleanians, or if you've lived here long enough, we know this. We understand this. And let me explain why we understand this. Here's why. How many people do you know, how many people are you close to that live here where you do not know their mama or daddy? Think about that. How many people do you know... Who are from here, live in this culture, you don't know their mom or daddy. There's not that many of them, is there? Because this place is so family oriented. And you're not really part of the family. You're not really a friend until you know the family. Warts and all, right? Everybody, oh, here's the dad, you know. Oh, wow. I was talking to, uh, to uh, Cliff the other day. It was yesterday. We were talking about his uncle. His uncle's a... Uh, uh, electrician and he wears overalls no shirt only attaches one thing here he is the funniest guy in the world i mean you would think he's straight out of the you know the swamp he's a cajun you've got to really pay attention to understand him this guy is hilarious well i met him real quick after i met cliff he's part of the family and jesus says if you knew me or If you knew my Father, you would know me. And what Jesus is saying is, you don't know me. You don't care about my heart. You don't care about anything other than yourself. So how would you even know my Father? And if they truly had a relationship with their Heavenly Father, they would have heard from God the Father about Jesus. And they would have known that Jesus was His Son. And they would have yielded to him. Instead, their own way was more important. Now, this is a big deal. Because here's the thing about light. Light exposes sin. Right? Don't look into this. There's all kinds of stuff around here that you don't, you don't really want to know is here. I don't know if you can see that back there, but we got some cobwebs. We've got some stuff, right? There's some items back here. I don't know when the last time we swept this crevice back here is. Right? There's some stuff around here that's exposed during the light, when it's held up to the light. And Jesus, by pointing this out, He reveals the Pharisees' sin. By revealing their greatest weakness. Which the Pharisees say is their greatest strength. And that is their relationship with God. They have incredible darkness. And Jesus is completely light. Nobody likes being in the dark. If you don't want to be in the dark. Because darkness leads to death. Follow Jesus. It's really that simple. Follow Jesus, obey Jesus, model Jesus, accept Jesus, and begin walking with him. And then you will have, as he said at the very beginning, the light of life. Father, we thank you for what you say in your word. We thank you that you are the light, and we thank you that as we look inside of ourselves and, and see sin and darkness there, that you want to purge that, that you want to shine light on our heart. Lord, we pray that you will speak to each one of us in this room. Show us the darkness and lead us into the light. May we look towards you and walk towards the torch that is you. You are our light. Change our hearts, God. Change our behavior, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.